I was going to say my name is Stephen Cooper, and I'm the pastor here at Harbor City, because that's what he, he does every Sunday, but it's not as funny as him leaving the stage. <laughs> um, every summer, my wife and I, we, we take our kids uh, camping for two weeks, and uh, we would either go to Colorado, Idaho, Utah, Montana, or we'd find a, a camping spot, and then we would fly fish for two weeks. And one of the things I always did is I drug our family to church wherever we were. We were in Grand Junction, Colorado once, and this pastor burst through the curtains with a bright purple blazer on, and he said, come on, give it up, give it up. And I thought, man, that's weird. And he goes, no, give it up for Jesus, he's here. I said, oh, that's cool. But the other thing he had, he had a black head mic. And I vowed if I ever preached, I would never wear a head mic. And I've got this silly thing on now, so. (laughs) Well, this morning I thought we'd look at a very familiar passage to most of us. It's in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 and through 41. Let me read them to you. I'm reading them from my Bible. I think some of the words may be changed from what, what's up on the screen or in your bulletin. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind, said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. And they asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey? This chapter is really like a day in the life of Jesus Christ. And it begins by him and his disciples going down to the seashore, the Sea of Galilee. And he starts to teach people, and being the greatest teacher that ever lived, he would attract a crowd. Now, crowds were like an occupational hazard to Jesus because the crowds would either bow down and worship or they begin to curse and have this desire to crucify him. And it's still the same today. In this story, and I want you to put yourself there, you just happen to be by the Sea of Galilee this morning with your friends and your family, and you notice a, a fisherman mending his nets, and he gets up, He walks over to this growing crowd and he begins to listen to the teachings of Jesus and he he can't leave. You see this woman walk by with a loaf of bread that she has just bought from the market. She stops to hear Jesus and she begins to hear things she has never heard before and is absolutely amazed. Children start showing up, some gathering up in front of Jesus Christ, some sitting on their parents' laps, some just playing in the sand. The crowd begins to grow and begins to press upon him. 
And I don't know which disciple said it, but one of them whispered in his ear and said, I think you need to get in a boat and we'll push you out a little way and you can preach from there so everybody can hear. But how do I know that? Because in the first verse of Mark 4, it says, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathers was so large that he got into a boat. And he began to teach in parables. That day he shared about the uh, parable of the sower. He shared about this parable about a mustard seed that's going to start very small and grow large. And then we come to verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said, let us go over to the other side. So the sun is setting. He knows it's getting late, so he wraps up his sermon. He tells them good night, and then he turns to his disciples, and he says, there's one more thing we need to do today. They say, what's that? We need to go to the other side. Why? And I could imagine him saying, because we've taught the 99, and now we're on our way across this, this lake or sea to save one soul. He, was at a, he had a divine appointment with this wild and crazy guy on the other side. Uh, how do I know that? Because in verse 5, verse 1, it says, They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes, and when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This guy was possessed with a legion of demons. And to make a long story short, Jesus cast these demons out of these this man into a herd of pigs who hurls themselves off this cliff. And while the whole town is there watching this scene, they turn back and they look at this guy who has been terrorizing the neighborhood and he's calm, he's sound, and he's in his right mind. Jesus had a divine appointment to save this one individual that day. And it really demonstrates just how far he'll go to save one soul with the gospel. In verse 36 it says, Leaving the crowd behind, they took him just as he was in the boat. There were other boats with him. So the disciples, without question, they ready the boat, they set the sails, they push off, just like they have done a thousand times before. These men made their living on this sea. This was very normal for them. It was like a routine in their day. It would be like you getting in your car after work and going home. It's at this point, verse 37, that a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Fear arrives, as is often the case. Just living out your daily lives, things will happen. And fear comes into your life. You jump in your car and you're on your way home, only you get in a wreck. Or you go for a routine doctor visit and uh, you get that diagnosis. Or you're falling asleep at night and you get that phone call. It's out of the normal. Fear comes. And your heart is broken. Uh, a little bit about the geography in this area. This is the Sea of Galilee. It's 700 feet below sea level. And it's surrounded by mountains. One of the mountains is Mount Hermon's at 7,000 feet. And what happens 
is the cool air will come off the mountains and then mix with the warm air and these squalls will come up, huge windstorms. It still happens today. And what happens today happens in Mark 4. This storm hits and the disciples are absolutely terrified. These were sailors. These were men who made their living in this area. And yet they'd never seen anything quite like this. And picture it. We know it was evening, so it's getting dark. They feel the wind whipping into their faces. The sails are flapping. The waves are so high, they're starting to fill the boat. They feel the boat getting heavier. Have you ever felt like this? Have you ever been in a storm? Several years ago, I stood up here and I, I, I told you about something that was happening in, um, in our life. My, my wife and I liked... I said I wasn't going to do that. And I had a, a, I could see myself in the middle of a street with this tidal wave coming down on me. And there was nowhere I could go. It was going to hit, and it did. And what it was was a financial disaster. We had lost our home and everything we put in it. <clears throat> Thinking the market would come back, we used our savings to try to hold on. And eventually, uh, we lost it all. So it was a storm. And there were other things going on. My, my, my wife's father had a serious illness. He died during that time. We had to move four times in one year. So there was fear. It felt like a storm. And the good news is, eh, the rest of this story is how we got out of it. Verse 38 <clears throat> Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. Disciples woke him. They said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So in the midst of their fear, they forgot. They forgot who was with them. Now these men had been with Jesus for some, not, some time now. They were with him in Mark 1, where it says that he healed many, he cast out demons, and he cleansed the leper. They were with him in Mark 2, where, if you know the story, some friends of a paralytic man dropped him through the roof in front of Jesus. He was made whole. And they were with him in Mark 3, where there was this man with a withered hand that was made brand new. And now, after teaching the 99, they're on the way to visit this one individual. Why do this? Why is he even in the boat at night? Because he left the glories of heaven to be born in a miserable stable, born under the law so that he might endure all the miseries of this life for you and me, suffering a, a cruel death on a cross and taking the wrath of God in his body so that you and I might be forgiven. And so how can we ask, does he care? Of course he cares. And so Jesus goes to them in verse 40 and he says, why are you afraid? Fear has made them forget how much they are loved by God. Let me ask you something. What do you fear this morning? Do you fear rejection? Do you fear uh, being seen unattractive to others? Do you fear being seen as lacking purpose in your life? 
incompetent, average? Do you fear disappointing someone or losing your reputation? Do you fear not having enough security, not enough money? Do you fear pain or suffering, death, your death, the death of your spouse, the death of your children? What is it you fear? You fear the unknown? You fear the future? And when you, these things creep into your life like it has for many this week, do you forget the great love that God has for you? And you begin to ask, how could God let this happen? Why is my life turning out like this? Because this scripture helps us see that life is just going along normally. We're living our life and then something will creep in and bring fear. A storm for the disciples, but it could be a variety of things for you and I. What do we do? What do we do in this situation? The first thing you need to remember is Jesus controls the storm. He is the God of power. And they didn't say he calms the storm, as this passage is oftentimes preached. Jesus calmed the storm, and so whatever going on in your life, he'll calm it too. The problem is, he doesn't always calm it. I mean, we've got people here with some physical ailments that he hasn't calmed. And it's probably going to stay with him until Christ comes back and gives him a brand new body. We've got people struggling financially that probably will continue until he comes back and opens up the riches of heaven to them. We have relationships and marriages that there's still tension and, and, and stress in. It comes and it goes, but it, it goes through life. Um, he doesn't always calm the storm. And we're foolish to think that we're going to be li- we'll live a life without any suffering at all. And we're foolish to think that we're always going to have a, a calm life. Because the Bible confronts our expectations with an all-powerful God who is enough. He is enough. He is all you need in any storm you're going through. He controls the storm. I mean, he got the disciples into this. How did the disciples get into the storm? It wasn't because of their disobedience. It wasn't because of their lack of faith. It was simply because Jesus says, hey, let's go to the other side. So he's not in the least bit hoping that we're always going to live a calm life. He's got much greater things in mind for you and I. Much greater. Verse 39 says, He got up and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And notice he doesn't pray, Father, please stop this storm. He doesn't have to invoke a higher power. He is the higher power. He is in control of this storm. He simply turns to the storm and says, Quiet, be still. And it goes completely calm. The wind that was blowing in their faces, the waves that were coming in the boat, filling it up, it goes like glass at his word. And notice, too, that it's the word of Christ that's leading them out of this storm. Verse 41, we get the disciples' response. They were terrified. And they asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? They were afraid in the storm, 
And now they're terrified in the light of what they've seen Jesus Christ just do. In verse 36, I don't know if you noticed it when I read it, but there's a phrase in there that says, Jesus came just as he was. And now they're finding out just who he is. He's sleeping in the midst of this storm because he has complete control of the storm and every aspect of it. No matter what you and I are going through now or will go through, he has control of it. He has control. And every aspect of it. He uses storms to refine us and to strengthen, undergird our faith in Him. He is a God of power. But you need to know also that Jesus is in the boat. He's a God of love. Think of where He is. He's not on the seashore, but He's right there in the boat, in the storm, going through every single moment of this with them. That's the great thing about Christianity. Christianity is the only faith where the transcendent God of power and the intimate God of love meet. Where the God of power and love meet personally for you and I. When the storms hit, he's with us. This is not wishful thinking. It's not emotional mumble jumble. This is true because we know the doctrine of our union with Christ. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, there is a sense where the two have become one. There's no place you can go without Christ. There's no place you will ever go where you'll be found apart from Him. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am so united with Jesus Christ that when I died, when he died, I died. When he rose again, I rose again. The new life he has, the new life is mine. There's no time, there's no way, there's no how where you will ever be separated from Jesus Christ. Romans 8, Paul puts it like this. There's neither death nor life, angels or demons, present, future, height, depth, nothing. There's nothing in all of creation that will separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Jesus says, I'm with you to the end of the age. I'll never, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And it's his presence with us. It's his union in us that makes all the difference when you go through fearful times and storms. He's not just a transcendent God of power, but he's also an intimate God of love. And 1 John 4.18 says, perfect love casts out all fear. This is the essence of the gospel. Is it not that his kindness and his love is near and dear and in us? So why fear? Because the one who controls the storms is in the boat. When the storms hit and you're doubted to forget the amazing love of God that he has for you, remember that Jesus controls the storm. He's a God of power. And he's in the boat. He's a God of love. This is what got Katie and I through. And I guarantee you it'll get you and anyone else through. One last thing. On the cross, 
Jesus Christ faced the ultimate storm. And really, it was the only storm that could sink us. It was the storm of eternal justice that rained down on Jesus Christ for all of our wrongdoings. And that storm was not calmed until it swept him away. And what happened for three days, he suffered the worst of hell so that you and I might get the best of heaven. He was stripped naked so that you and I could be clothed in the righteousness of God. And he died so that you and I might have, live, might have life and life more abundantly. It really is remarkable that through prayer, and I mean, you pray like it makes a difference, and you take the word of God with you into any situation in your life, you are going to come out of it deeper, richer, wiser, more loving, and even happy. And what you'll find, you'll find more about you, you'll find more about life, and you'll find more about God than you would if you never went through storms. Amen? <laughs> Let's pray. Father, your word is both simple and yet so profound. Thank you for this story that we can grapple with and uh, try to apply to our lives. Uh, Lord, uh, I know there's probably some here finding their journey of faith difficult. Uh, some may be even wondering if they'll ever make it to the other side. Or, they, or if it's even worth it. Holy Spirit, minister to our hearts. Calm our fears. Help us to see you as you really are. A God who is in control and who is amazingly in love with us. We ask this in the, the perfect and the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen.